Hey everyone, it's uh, me, Fola, um, here with a bit of uh, housekeeping, and also because I kind of like these ha these little private chats. Um, so yeah, just to give you a bit of warning, this episode is pretty long. We haven't done like an episode this long for a long time. Uh, we try to keep them down to an hour, but yeah, this one was impossible to keep down to an hour. It's a pretty meaty episode. Um, and also, because... I actually, I'm here to issue a challenge to our listeners out there. So I kind of, I spent a lot of time sort of researching this episode and going through it with a fine tooth comb, trying to, try, trying to impress people with my obsessive knowledge. I don't know. Is that impressive? Is it, it probably isn't. But, um, but I did watch a lot of this show and, and e even though this episode's so long, um, I still think we missed out a bunch of stuff that I could have talked about that I just didn't have time to. So my challenge to you is if you've watched this episode of Mad Men, The New Girl, and you have any queries about anything anyone says, anything anyone does, a look that people give, like, I don't know, the way the camera's set up, anything whatsoever, I have an answer for you. I'm not saying it's the right answer. I'm not saying it's, um, you know, I don't have, I I didn't work on this show. I don't know any of the writers or anything, but I do have an answer because I've tried, in my mind, I've everything makes sense to me. Maybe not on a textual level, but definitely on a sub, on a meta uh, subtextual level. So if there's anything you've got a question about, just uh, get in touch. I put all the um, addresses and stuff and all the information and loads of, pictures it'll come up in the episode um in the uh show notes so uh yeah just get in touch with us on that or just listen to the beginning of the show we'll, we'll tell you how to get in, in touch um and uh what else did i want to say um yeah and I, I just and one thing another thing um i just want to know because this is like an, a pretty long show and I just want, if there's anything, any feedback you guys have, like, should we do the shows like this? Or maybe we should, um, maybe we should do things in chronological order so people can follow it more. I don't know. I mean, we, we used to do like really, really long shows where we'd sort of hit on every scene, but those shows went on forever. So we kind of cut it down, but I'm reviewing it now because basically an hour and a half for a show is kind of way long anyway so there's no there's not much excuse for jumping around so just let us know what you think and uh i'm sure you won't but you know someone out there might do uh thanks for uh following us on twitter twitter if you have and uh yeah enjoy the show uh take it away mr david cabanara <laughs> um also Good luck, America. We're all pulling for you. See you on the other side. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Old Fashioned Breakdown podcast, a rewatch podcast for the very subjective TV show Mad Men. My name is Helen Varley, and I watched this an hour ago, so bear with me. My name is Fola Olakumbi and I've seen the show a couple of times and take it, look at it mainly from a subtextual point of view. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and subscribe. Please rate, comment and subscribe. 
And if you would want to get in touch with us, you can do on Twitter, which is at breakdown underscore old, or email us on oldfashioned.breakdown at gmail.com. This episode is The New Girl, written by Robin Weich. In this episode, Trudy and Pete try for a baby. Don and Bobby have an accident. We learn a secret about Peggy and a new girl joins the show. All right, here's my first question. <laughs> Go on. Here's my first question, right? Like You put it there, a new girl joins the show, which is true. Yes. But who is the new girl who really? Is, who is the new girl? That's that's the question for me from <laughs> Helen Varley. Just... Yep. <laughs> who do you think it is? I think it's all of them. I think all the women in this. Yeah. Do a bit of a role swap. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I think it's all like, I mean, I was trying to like count how many new girls there were. Yeah. Or like by the end of the episode, very few of them are the same person they were at the beginning of the episode. Very good in point. In my opinion. Very good point. So See, that... that's all I've got for you though, guys. Like, literally, <laughs> we're like two minutes in, I've given you everything. So that would be uh, Bobby, um, Bobby, what, hang on, how does, how does Bobby change? So Bobby's the only one that's slightly, okay. um, slightly less obvious right, in my okay. opinion. But okay. I think, I think it that what happens to her and sort of knocks, not a bit, not sent into her. But I think, it, I think she's shaken by it for okay, sure. What okay. happens with the accident? And I think, you know, the fact that she lies about where she's been yeah i think you see a bit more of her vulnerability mm. at the end of this episode what do you mean by that well the fact that she sort of doesn't want bobby to see what's happened to her i mean she could have made up any lie but instead she doesn't want jimmy to see what sorry <laughs> she doesn't want jimmy yeah to find out what really happened so she lies and says she went to a fat farm yeah which yeah. is totally implausible can i just say <laughs> um and but i think you see with her with the black eye and i think you see from her sort of lying on the couch just watching TV and I think yeah. I think you see and also I think she's so it's almost like with Peggy she's it's one of those things where you're not sure if she's like because I mean Peggy seems to take it a little bit like she sees her as a threat yeah um but yeah. I, and I think actually you see a little bit of more of Bobby's sort of like vulnerability and and Bobby's kind of less you know, le- like right at the beginning, she puts on this whole show with a phone call and a fancy dress yeah, and a yeah, long, yeah. a cigarette on a stick and all that kind of stuff. She's very much kind of like she's in control and, and like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think you see her with a black eye hiding in an apartment from her husband because she doesn't, <laughs> you know, she doesn't want to make him go crazy. It's a good point, actually. You yeah, know, I think I you do see a little bit of transformation. I mean, by the end, it's all back in place when the makeup goes back on. But mm. I think you do see a new part of Bobby that you've not seen before. That's good. I never thought about that one. That's that you do see a new part of Bobby. I would say so I I think yeah, I think there are four new girls in this. But I would also say that for me Bobby's version of a new girl is more oh, there's more than four. Yeah. What do you mean? More than four new girls. Who's the other? All right. Okay, yeah, then you've got like I guess Joan Right, okay. Go on. Do you want me to go through them? Go and on. then you just hold on to what you... Remember what you were just about to say. All right, all right, go on. Okay. So, we're going to start with Bobby. Then we're going to move on to Peggy. Then we're going to move on to Joan. Then we're going to move on to Betty. 
Then we're going to move on to Trudy. Then there's the, we actually don't know if um, Peggy gave birth to a girl or a boy. So there's a new girl there. There's the actual new girl who's Jane, I believe. There's loads of new girls in this. And there's um, Robin Vyth. Who is the writer of this? Oh, actually, the she's sole. Not in it, though. Yeah, but she's the sole writer of this episode, and it's the first time she's ever done it. Aww, um, well done, Robin. So she's also the new girl. So yeah, jealous. I guess this. <laughs> I want to be a writer. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I guess there is a lot of. Um, I guess so. What I was saying, what I was going to say is, um, so for me, there's three main. Um, there's three main new girls. Okay. Why, why are you laughing? No, I'm not. I'm just smiling. <laughs> okay. There's three just, main new girls, right? Yeah. Okay. Why, why are you smiling? I just, I just, I just I'm just smiling because there's more than that, but... Yeah, I know. There, there, yeah, there definitely is more than that. I'm not saying there is. I'm not saying that there is. I'm totally agreeing with you that like the whole thing with the whole thing is obviously new girl. But for me, the reason I said there's three main new girls for me... Okay. Because they basically point them out at the end, right? And you've got, and this is why I think it's very cool, is you've basically got, um, you've got like the three, that's for me going on about my Lacanian thing again. Oh, it's a triangle. <laughs> it's a triangle. So you've got, um, they, they point them out at the end. You've got the real new girl, which is obviously... Um, Sexy Jane. Sexy Jane. Um, you've got, did you notice, actually I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, you've got the imaginary new girl, which is Peggy, because she's kind of like new, but only in a kind of mind sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's not something that, well, I guess Don's kind of aware of it, but it's kind of, it's definitely her own thing. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the symbolic new girl. You, you missed out on the new girl, by the way. Uh, you've got the symbolic I new girl. I don't miss out the new girl. You missed out a new girl. Which girl? Which one? Rachel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Damn it. <laughs> um, but you, but um, but um, yeah. So um, um, Bobby is symbolically Rachel, right? So she's kind of like to Don. She's kind of like the new Rachel. Not that she's the same person, but to Don, it's kind of like the new kind of not conquest, but like affair. But do you know what I mean? Okay. Um, and yeah, so I kind of I think. There is a lot of the, there's a lot of Lacanian stuff in here and I'm kind of like trying to work out how we should talk about it. So there's, I've come up with this thing and I don't know if it's going to work and it might be a total disaster. It might be genius. I don't know. Before we go on to that, what did you think this episode was about? (sighs) Apart from the new girl, if you had anything. I think this episode is about rebirth. Okay. <laughs> that you've been thinking about that for a long time, uh, so like just pull it out my ass, guys. Pull it out my ass. So, so I kind of I did not pull it out of my ass, and I've been sort of like <laughs> thinking about this for ages. Um, I really should get life. Um, and but my kind of so I came with loads of things, um, like a whole list of things, and they're all sort of based around one thing, which is. Um, Subjectivity. Okay. Did you get any of that in this? <laughs> well, I mean, explain more what you mean by that. So, okay, so I'll, I'll go through my process. So the first thing I noticed in this episode was, well, when I was watching the episode was there's obviously kind of this whole male-female thing where, like, you know, you see things from, especially at the beginning where you see Peter talking about himself and he's, like, very sort of macho about, you know, the fact that he can 
all the stuff you can do basically and mm. um and then obviously there's it's called the new girl so there's obviously a female side of that that's kind of that wasn't enough so i watched it a bit more there's a and then i noticed you know there's the you know there's a scene where and i'll talk about this a bit more later on but there's a scene with bobby and her eye and she's got like this bruised eye and she's sort of making up this eye well, she put the makeup on. They put yeah. the makeup on. And she's, well, before that, so she's talking about how her eye is kind of like purple. Mm. And while she's talking to um, Peggy about this, Peggy's wearing like a blue top. Yeah. And um, Bobby's wearing like a red top. And she says that her eye's purple, mm. which is kind of like the complementary colors thing. Complementary colors. So yeah. they're, but they're kind of, it's like a blend of both, yeah. both colors. And she's kind of looking at um, Peggy and trying to figure out what Peggy's like and like who Peggy is and stuff. And it's like the two colors in the show kind of, you know, when we were talking about, um, what's it called? Uh, Babylon. Mm. The episode Babylon, you've got that red balloon and we were trying to figure out what red means. And, yeah. like, and to me, that kind of that color means kind of like entrapment and sort of like picking, like almost picking something, but like sticking to it and sort of like, you know, knowing who you are kind of in, in a strange sort of way, but like ultimately imprisonment. And the blue kind of contrasts that and it's more about, and it's like, it's a, it's a color that um, Pete wears a lot. Yeah. And Pete's quite an open, like as much as he's a douchebag, he's like, he's also very open and very honest. And he's like, he doesn't lie. He's literally, you know that he's an asshole just by looking at him. And I know it sounds kind of like I'm, painting him as this kind of like perfect person but he's not he's like he's a douchebag but he's a douchebag because he's so honest right you think about it we're all kind of like shits really yeah <laughs> i mean yeah i would agree we're all shits um <laughs> i i mean i think it's hard it's a hard one because i don't know sometimes if you're like pulling meaning out i mean he's always worn blue yeah yeah I don't know. And also, I, I'm flipping a bit on the old uh, Pete Campbell. Like, he was previously my most hated character. <laughs> but I actually quite I, I quite like him this in what this I'm episode. Saying. This yeah. is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. So I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is he's basically... But I'm, basically, what I'm saying is he's, he's quite an honest character. Yes. It's probably why you like him so much. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so... And, and that's kind of... And when you put the two together, you kind of get this kind of mix of the two. It's almost like a, an anguish kind of not entirely sure of yourself sort of trying to figure things out sort of thing mm. this is all coming from this is, this is i was pulling all this from like uh, bobby's eye right and to me it was kind of and it kind of hit me that like the idea of gaze right and i don't know much about gaze because i'm not a media student but you should probably know more about it like and i started thinking about gender and sort of male and female gaze and i found there's a lot of that in there but then that's not all the show there's like other things in the show as well like just kind of the old and new there's kind of lots of different viewpoints and stuff mm. so then i started thinking like maybe it's more about um, subjectivity and how we all see things in different ways depending on who we are so there's lots of different people seeing lots of different um scenarios from different points of view um and i really want to later on get to talk about the scene between um pete and um trudy because it's fascinating what the last one yeah yeah um but what i want to do the, the way i'm gonna sort of try and explain this is i want to go through the scene between uh roger and joan can i just say before yeah. we before we go into that <laughs> yeah go what a brilliant cut that was 
Yeah, yeah. We've got Pete about to beat one out, and then suddenly it's Roger <laughs> and his little paddle in the office. That, uh, oh, that was fabulous another, cut. That, that was another point as uh, I kind of thought as well, because that that cut was fascinating, and I love the fact that it's just it's basically Pete on his own doing his own thing, and I thought that was another thing where if you watch the episode, there's a lot of people doing that, well, especially the men doing things for themselves. Yeah. And Peggy as well, just doing things on her own and sort of like she lives on her own and all that kind of stuff. So that was another thing that drew me to the whole gaze thing. Um, but yeah, let's go through this scene and talk about this. Um, and then we can talk about the bat and ball thing as well, because that was interesting. But so this, this scene's really kind of weird and it's really hard to sort of go into. So we literally, another thing I want to do with this as well, specifically, is because I keep talking about how there's so much meaning in this show. And I know you don't believe me. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. So I want to use this scene specifically to prove that every single word that is uttered in this in this show has some kind of meaning behind it. And everything you see kind of means something. Or you can put some kind of meaning behind it. Maybe that's not what they intended, but there's definitely something that you that's designed for you to draw something from. Mm. So I'm going to try and go through every single line in this scene. Oh, jeez. <laughs> How long have you got, guys? I'm going to be yeah. here all night. It's going to take a while. Uh, I'm going to try and go through every single line, every single thing they say, and try to kind of, like, explain it. So... Let's start with, <laughs> I hear congratulations are in order. Yeah, so... <laughs> so I hear congratulations. So some of these are going to be, like, really kind of inconsequential, right? Oh, um, right, we're starting with the inconsequential. So, What's the hidden meaning behind I hear congratulations? Or so <laughs> I, hear, I hear congratulations. Remember. So this is so another another thing with this um, for me was um, the fact that you don't know. There's a lot of people. So if you talk about subjectivity, um, you're only seeing things from your point of view. So you're not seeing things from everyone else's mm-hmm. point of view. You're only kind of, you only know what you know. Yes. So when, when um, Roger says, I hear congratulations in order, he hasn't. He doesn't know that for himself. Someone's told him that. Yes. Right. So that's the first thing. Okay. So the next line is, marriage. I don't know why you'd want to join that club. Okay. So marriage. I don't know why you'd want to join that club. So mm-hmm. that's kind of simple one as well. That's kind of quite an obvious one. Uh, what's interesting when he says that line though, is he fin- He actually says, marriage. I don't know why you'd want to join that club, baby. Mm. And to me, that's kind of basically dropping like a subliminal message that you know she's getting married because she wants to have a baby what no. <laughs> oh my god are you joking to me that's that's, that's yeah, what that no, is he's calling her baby because he's fucked her brains out yeah, totally i get that i'm talking about the subtextual oh, point of view. i'm not talking about that obviously that's why he's saying it on the textual level on a subtextual level. I guess. I can see what you're getting at. <laughs> right. But, all right. <laughs> um, and then Joan says, hasn't stopped you from having a good time. Right? Right. So she said, so he's basically saying, I, I don't know why you want to join that club. And she said, I, it hasn't stopped you from having a good time. Right? And to right. Me, and to me, that line, <laughs> the, re- the reason that line's significant is because Joan is a woman and he is a man. So obviously, it's not going to stop him because at that time, and even now, really, the men can do what they want. The men are in society; it's seen as cool for men to sort of do a, you know, sleep around and do all that kind of stuff. Whereas women, it's a lot difficult; it's a lot harder, especially if you're a, a married woman. 
I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying that's just how the world saw people at that time, right? Right. So that's that's. that's <laughs> I can't go on. If you you can't laugh and then not say anything because you're making me nervous. What? Just I don't know. I I mean, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just do what you did. Yeah, go. On. Okay, go, on. I, go, on, go. On. I hear congratulations are in order. Yeah. Because he heard Jones getting married. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to join that club, baby. Because he still wants to fuck her and he won't be able to <laughs> when she's married. Then Jones says, "What does Jones say?" Uh, Jones says, "Hasn't stopped hasn't you- stopped you from having a good time mm. because she has observed that he is sleeping around despite the fact that he has a wife. <laughs> so she is making the comp- the note that." you can still do what you want even if you're married yeah fair enough, fair enough. that's can... where we're up to it's all right it's okay like, it kind of works <laughs> um okay next so roger asks what's wrong with him and she says nothing right mm-hmm. and the reason she says nothing is because she doesn't know which goes back to the theme of the episode of not knowing right she doesn't say so what i'm saying is she doesn't say she, she she wouldn't be marrying him if she thought there was something wrong with him, right? Um, I disagree. Go on, go on. I think everyone knows that everyone has something wrong with them. Yeah. I think she just doesn't want to tell Roger there's something wrong with him because she's basically... Because really, she'd like to marry Roger and Roger won't marry her. But she's... <laughs> yeah, there is that as well. But, there, but she, she says it in such a way that that... She's so excited to be marrying this guy. She doesn't say it in a way that, like... I don't know. You see? But, uh, <laughs> this is where we fall down for okay, me. Because okay. I don't think she is. I think she's... I mean, we recently saw Joan really embarrassed because she's, what, like 31 or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's not married and it's everyone true. was sort of this laughing at her. True, yeah. I think this is Joan's new woman. This is her new girl, okay. right? She is now the girl, she's the girl who's getting married, who's excited about having a... I mean, she says flippantly earlier, she's like, oh, I've had a few and this one's by far the best. <laughs> she, that's late, but actually. since when has she ever been bothered about the fact that she was sort of unmarried? Honestly, hmm. in this show, like, it's not seemed to like... She's not been like, you know lying in bed or crying because she wants to get married. But, I think she's doing it because she feels like she's supposed to do it and she's supposed to be excited about it. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> you, could, you, you totally could be right. I'm not saying I'm right about this, by the way. This is just like how I feel about this show. Like, this I will like... fight you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, she then asks, um, are you being a concerned daddy? And that's kind of like... Um, obviously, she's got these daddy issues that we're all aware of, right? Yeah, and she's flirting with him as well. Kind of, yeah, and she's flirting. Like I said, it's all subtextual. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the textual side of this. <laughs> and, um, and then Roger says, ah, and this is this is my favourite bit. Um, then Roger does that, um, that joke that he does about um, the jar of pennies. Yeah. If you had sex yeah, it's the, every day for... If you put if you put a penny in a jar every time you had sex for the, the first, first year, year you're married, marriage. and yeah. then you took a penny out the same, uh, every time you had sex in the second year of marriage, yeah. you'd have the same amount of pennies in the jar. That's what yes. he says, right? Yes. Yeah. And to me, I mean, for love of this, to me, that's kind of like a total... Um, like a total metaphor for the... Um, uh, what's it called? 
the basket full of kisses. Kisses. Yeah. How we do it? Um. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think he's just trying to convince her not to get married. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I think she takes that line as um, when when he says that line, she takes that line as Yule. Because I was weird. I was weirded out by the fact that she then asks answers him by saying, "I I assumed you'd always you'd always had a problem with Mona, not marriage." Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that she was talking that, that when he when when he says that she kind of she takes that as him saying you'll be back sort of thing. Could do, yeah. And uh, so <clears> I kind of I found that kind of interesting. Um, but then she then she says, "I assumed you were always unhappy with Mona, and not the whole idea of marriage." And then he tells her, um, "You just aren't another woman, Joan," which is the whole basket full of kisses, right? Oh, okay, yeah, I can see that more now, yeah. <laughs> right, so, um, and that's kind of like a nod to kind of like Babylon. And also, in this scene, Joan's wearing like light, almost dark blue. Right. And in Babylon, she was like, oh, famously in that bright red dress. Yeah. So it's kind of like a total, so I guess that it kind of falls into that whole new girl thing mm. where she's kind of a new girl now. She's like literally the opposite. She's wearing literally the opposite color of red. Um, so that's that then she says it's just it doesn't matter if she's just another woman or not because she fell in love as if that makes her special but it doesn't really because everyone falls in love have you ever been in love well everyone's felt like they're in love right (laughs) (laughs) okay everybody's felt like so like she's kind of like she's so I guess that's kind of what you were saying, the same sort of thing that you were saying where she's kind of, she's told herself she's in love. But really, is she really? Yeah, well, absolutely, yeah. Um, and the only difference between, yeah, the only difference with this time is it's her as opposed to anyone else, which kind of like feeds into this idea of subjectivity and like how it doesn't like, you know, just because you feel it doesn't mean it's the first time. Mm. Everyone's had it at some point. Uh, and then Jen Rogers says, makes me sad, just another reason not to come to work. Which is kind of falls into this idea of solitude that Dar that the only reason Roger is coming to work is really to meet to be with other people to kind of and it, it and it kind of paints him differently to the other men in the show because like both Pete and Don seem to revel in the fact that they you know Pete only ever thinks about himself and you know we are, we don't know what Don feels about himself he's like he only cares about himself really and in this case it seems that. Um, uh, Roger kind of at least appreciates other people around him even though he's probably using those people but he, he he's aware that he needs other people to make him feel himself feel happy right right so we've just been in lockdown for like eight months <laughs> and yes I can see what you but I mean I think with I think with with Roger yeah I mean he one less reason to come to work I mean, of course, like, cause he's not nailing the hot, the hottie of the office. <laughs> yeah, true. There's that as well. Yeah, totally. Um, and then um, Joan says, I'm not going anywhere. And she's pretty adamant about it, right? Mm. And then Roger says, um, yes, you are. And you'll see. Which is kind of like a weird thing to say, right? Um, and I took this as really like, this isn't even, this is like Roger not even getting, this is like a real meta sort of thing. And this is Roger saying, well, 
through Roger's mouth, this, 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 the, the writers are saying that that um, Joan as a character is going to go places and she's going to do not necessarily leave the show, but she's going to become be, become something more than she actually is. If that makes any sense, through this whole kind of sixties women's liberation sort of thing. Oh, she, she had to get that. She will be. Uh, she, you know, she, she's going to go places. Mm, I didn't get that at all. What did you get? So when he said that, she's like, I'm not going anywhere. And that's her saying, in my head, that was her saying, I'm not leaving my job because I got married. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's what... and, then he, and then he responds with that because he's like, you will leave work because you're getting married. Yes, yeah, totally. But, but, you know, but not in a way that's like, a positive thing in a yeah. way that you're going to just become a wife and that's a what I mean that's, that's, that's what I would call the text I mean you're, you're putting it in a very I guess I guess you know I'm in the context very... of the situation I would say that as a negative because Joan doesn't want that okay but because I mean if she did want that she wouldn't care if she wasn't going to be there anymore true true um, but I'm, that's what I'm saying like I'm saying from a really meta point of view that's what the writers are saying. I'm not saying that any of the characters are saying it, or it's good or bad. I'm just saying that the writers are saying, yes, Joe, you will do more. And you and all women will rise above. <laughs> I mean, we're still working on it. <laughs> yeah, really. True. true. <laughs> that's true. Um, and then, oh, and then finally, oh, it's my favourite part. And then Roger says, can I give you a couple of paddles for good luck? And that, <laughs> bit of sexual harassment at work, why not? But that to me is like, remember we were talking about sadomasochism last time? Yes. So that's that's what that is. Oh, thank you for explaining that to me. <laughs> no, but Normally why? I just lie still and, and, and think of England. No, you know, I, but actually... <laughs> what I mean is, I, I guess I need to explain it better. Like, <laughs> no, because like, the whole point of their relationship... So this, and I think this whole scene as well... It's really about how, and I know you're going to fight me on this one, but this is really about how um, uh, Joan has essentially escaped like a situation that's not really good for her. Like I know she loves, um, she loves um, Roger and stuff, but there's kind of, she's never going to marry him. She's never going to, they're never going to be together. It can't happen, right? And she's, but she's always stuck by him. She's always kind of like, um, wanted to be and, and sort of fantasized about it, but now that she's found her own person, she's actually free to go. So when he says, uh, "Can I give you a couple more paddles?" It's almost like, and she just literally just walks away and walks out of the room. Uh, it's like her sort of like freeing herself and sort of walking. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you can say totally. That's no, totally no, I would just, I just, I mean, I would interpret it in a in a slightly different way. Yeah. I mean, again, as you say, this is a subjective thing. It's very subjective. And my interpretation of this situation. So women, and possibly men as well, do weird things when they love someone that they can't have. Yeah. And I think for Joan, she's going... Because we've seen her with this doctor and she didn't look particularly happy (laughs) to be with him. No. And I think there's two things with Joan. I think the first thing is she's very aware of her age. And the fact that she should be doing a certain thing, even though she... She's a bit of a you know, Pete Campbell in this episode, she's sort of like aware that she should be doing one thing. Mm. Um, But I think the second part of that is that, yes, she's in love with Roger. Mm. And, you know, she's doing that thing where she thinks, oh, you know, if I'm engaged, he'll suddenly realise. Oh, right, okay. 
um, uh. when he realizes he's gonna lose me. Like, because that that's a real thing that does happen, and I think with with she doesn't understand exactly when she when when she makes that comment about like, I thought your problem was. Uh, it wasn't with Mona, it was with marriage. Or is it the other way around? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's that whole thing of like, he, she personally brings up, because he's always the doctor. Yeah. <clears throat> but she brings in Mona personally, because Mona is the person that's in the way of her being with him. Okay. And I think in her head, she can't understand why he'd stay in that situation. Okay, okay. But in the same way, is creating that exact situation for herself. Because she's effectively with someone who I don't she think she really wants to be her. with. It's really interesting that you say that thing about her leaving and expecting him to kind of almost chase her. Yeah. Because it's in because I, I that that's one thing in this whole scene that I didn't really get was the fact that he just drops the paddles on the ground and doesn't say anything, and then it cuts to the next scene. Mm. Um, and it's interesting you say that about that. Actually, before we before I go on to that, the last part of that scene I just want to say is. The male gaze as he watches her ass. Anyway, <laughs> back to the thing. <laughs> Thank you for that <laughs> poignant moment. Pointing that out the, to us. The, the, um, the other thing that the, 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 what's really interesting is there's two other parts in there's two other parts in this episode where that exact same thing happens where someone says, um, "I'm not gonna, I'm not," you know, just puts the phone down and someone expects them to to follow. So it happens when um, Bobby's on the phone to Don. Mm. And she says, you know, I'm not going to... Uh, you're boring me or something and puts the phone down on him. Yeah. The other time it happens is right at the beginning when... And this is a really cool scene. So I'll explain the whole scene. Uh, you know when um, Joan is showing everyone her ring? Yes. And um, you got got um, Don in the background sort of like... He's like really small in the background and all the kind of attention is on Joan. Yeah, yeah, at the desk. And um, there's that woman at the side who says she'll take over. She's, she's happy to take over. And then Joan says, you missed your chance. Or you missed your shot is what she says. Mm. And to me, that's kind of like at one point there, um, Joan was asking everyone who wants to take over Don's... Who wants to be Don's secretary... And then he asked, she asked this girl and this girl said, no, I don't want to do it. And now she's saying to her, like, you missed your shot. And it's kind of, I think it sets up this whole thing that happens with Don later on when Bobby says, do you want to come down? And he he kind of like, he thinks about it and, and then she puts the phone down on him and he, he rushes and he kind of like goes straight into mm. it to kind of, because he's like worried that he's not going to, um, that she's not going to do whatever do you know what I mean and it's also why we think Peggy's doing all this stuff for Don what do you think yeah I mean I think I think you know I think the Peggy thing is a is a separate storyline I mean are we ready to move on to Peggy do we do um Don and Bobby first because it kind of okay well let's do Don and Bobby first because I I don't have a whole lot to say about that (laughs) at all well I mean so for me I find her a very odd character. Yes. Like, I don't... I feel like she's really unbelievable as a person. Like, I just don't... I sort of feel like she's just really... I don't know. It's like they've created this character literally just to stir shit up kind of thing. (laughs) And, okay, fine. But it's, it's sort of very... I don't know. I find the whole thing really weird. And I just... It feels a bit jarring to me, that that whole thing, because it is like... And the fact that they then bring Rachel back in... Because I didn't recognise her at first. <laughs> so, so the thing about um, Bobby, I was listening to the uh, the Blu-ray and Robin Vife 
who does the commentary basically says that she um created well based a lot of this character that she wrote on um french feminism and the whole idea of french french feminism is that you know women can do whatever a man can do and like they have but to use their womanly um (laughs) attributes right yeah so and and it kind of feeds into the whole because like the whole point of Bobby is that she's an older woman and she kind of her, the way she sees the world has changed almost mm. and as she uh, as we, she goes through this episode you can see her change she goes from this kind of woman who is using her worldly attributes to someone who kind of mentors somebody else there's a lot of mentors in this as well mm. um, but yeah let's talk about like how they let's just go through the whole thing really um, so she phones him up out of nowhere, and this is this also f- feeds into this whole kind of subjectivity thing because she's she basically says to him like, "Where are you?" I know it's hilarious. Knows. I love that. Bit. <laughs> Even though she knows where she where he is, and she kind of and she's sitting in this place called Sardis. Mm. Um, and I'll I'll talk about this later when we get to Bobby and uh, to Pete and um, and uh, 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 Trudy. But there's the thing about Sardis is it's do you know anything about Sardis? No. It's the, you probably have heard of it. It's like the restaurant where there's lots of caricatures of um, famous people. Okay. So there's a lot of eyes sort of looking at people. Right. You know, like the gays sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, and so she kind of, and she talks about, um, when when Rachel turns up, there's all this stuff about how, you know, there's all this stuff about comedians and stuff. Did you get that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the, the, for me, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of so basically. Um, so the first thing that Don says when he introduces Bobby to uh, Rachel. Wait, is that, wait, you've just skipped a whole thing. Where, what did, what did like, I skip? Like, like the whole thing of like him going down there. Okay, what do you mean? Just, just you've just jumped. Well, no, because I said that before. Like, so she, they he rushes down. He rushes down. So like he rushes. She basically says, "I'm gonna hang up." And then she just kind of turned... Then he... Next next scene, he just turns up and he's there, right? And then they're sitting there and they're talking. Um, Bobby orders him a drink. Yes. Which is kind of interesting. There's a lot of stuff of them two kind of being... So, talking about the gays, right? The gays and, like, how you see the world from your own point of view. The weird thing about Bobby and Don is... Bobby's really trying to get Don to see things from her point of view. And it's almost like she's trying to be, she's trying to make them be the same person. Mm. And to me, that's like a codependent relationship, right? And codependent, codependent relationships are not very good. And it's it's also interesting that, you know, I keep jumping, I keep jumping around, but it's also interesting that the two of them end up like injured. Um, I know that they get injured in the car crash. I get that. But I'm talking about some textual thing. <laughs> that the idea that um, she has a black eye and he's got a broken arm. And it feels very much like a very dysfunctional kind of relationship. So almost like... I mean, it's an extramarital affair. So. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. it doesn't get much more dysfunctional than that, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Um, and there's also um, in when they first meet. There's also a lot of them talking about business. Well, that, yeah, that's the thing that I guess I took from that was okay. I feel like it's. In, I think it's really interesting because I think as a comparison to 
Betty. Yes. Who we haven't really mentioned. Yes. This episode. And doesn't do a whole lot apart mm. from sort of at the end. But I think there's that whole thing of like, you know, she's all business mm. and Betty's all, I don't care about business. I don't care about the car. I don't care about oh. any of that stuff. I just want you to be safe. That's very good, actually. Whereas, you know, Bobby is very much, it's a ge- I mean, I think she plays it as a game. That's the thing is it's a game She's playing kind of game plan, but it's it's sort of like I think with Bobby, and this is probably why I struggle with her a little bit, mm. is I don't really understand what she gets out of it, other than attention. Okay. Because that's the thing with with sort of with Rachel, you know, she sort of fell in love with him a bit. Mm. I mean, unless we're toying with the idea that Bobby has deeper feelings for Don. I don't. But I think the whole point of Rachel. <clears throat> sorry. Um... Bobby is that she wouldn't fall in love with him. It's one of the reasons he's attracted to her. It's he. It's almost like yeah. So it's like t- t- I think to um, Bobby, Don is like a plaything. Don is an object. To... Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I don't even think he's that into her, to be honest. No, not at all. He's like, and then this. Okay, so this is a. Okay, I'm gonna go into some Lacanian stuff now. So. If you want to turn off, you can do. <laughs> Don't turn off. Don't leave me here alone. <laughs> Don't you dare. Um, so, Lacan says that... Um, and I don't... Again, I don't know it that well. But um, Lacan says that basically, if you take a subject um, and a subject sort of looks at an object, doesn't matter what that object is, whether it's real, whether it's like a human being or it's like, you know, one of those plushies or like a sofa over there or a chair or whatever... In some way, that object looks back at the subject and the two can swap places. Right. So, and I'll, uh, again, I'm going to go into this in a lot more detail later, but I don't want to scare people off too early. Um, but basically, yes. Yeah, so when, so the fact that, um, the, the fact that um, Bobby treats Don like an object eventually comes back to bite her on the ass because you know, you said it yourself, like when she's talking to, um, when she's talking to Peggy, she's really, you can see that she's like nervous. She's kind of, she's worried about whether Peggy likes Don. And it's kind of, it's almost like she, it's bled into the fact that she's kind of now, she's now depending on him. I guess it goes into codependency as well, but she's now kind of, she now, she's now become the object and Don is now the subject. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I... Oh, she's becoming the subject. Let, let me say she's becoming the object and Don is now becoming the subject. I mean, I think it's really interesting, that whole thing, because the thing is, she's not really in a vulnerable position. She isn't a bit at the beginning. Well, even... I mean, I, I she's vulnerable. I think she's vulnerable in the sense that she's worried <clears throat> about her relationship with her husband, which we don't know a whole lot about. Yeah. But I don't think she's in a vulnerable position with Don because it's almost like what's quite interesting about Peggy and Bobby is they are in exactly the same situation. They both have dirt on Don. Yeah. And he has dirt on both of them. But how they've reacted to that is completely different. Like, So she gets to... Bobby gets to lie on a sofa and be the damsel in distress and he takes care of her. Mm. And Peggy is almost like used as this... I don't know... Yeah. I, I I would say that Peggy looks after her, but he arranges it. He doesn't really do anything. He kind of 
the only time he really cares is when he worries that um uh, what's his name um jimmy's gonna come and sort of you know start asking about his wife <laughs> that's true yeah but he, to be to be honest i don't think he really cares as much because like you say i don't think he's that into it i think he's very no, much well, no, no, that's not what i'm saying though is i just sort of feel a little bit like because i mean you could also look at it in that he doesn't really care much about peggy oh but that's different though why is it different because obviously actually maybe he doesn't maybe you're right but there's the thing is i think that's what's interesting about this whole thing is that you've got two women who are almost they've both got dirt on don he has but he has dirt on both of them but how he treats them is totally different because and that's where it becomes like interpretation because in in and in peggy's eyes peggy sees it as owing don hmm. she and 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 um bobby doesn't see it as owing bobby, don at yeah, all okay, okay. and that's what's interesting is it's that sort of it's it's that debt that's i think that's almost what bobby's trying to work out right. is that whole thing of like why are you running around after this bloke if you're not sleeping with him <laughs> if you're not in love with him yeah, totally. like why are you doing it and and of course you know i'm sure she works out there's some sort of dirt or something going on there yeah. um but that wouldn't be how she would react to that situation no no totally and i think that's what's interesting but then she i guess it's and that's the big thing about the episode is she doesn't know what Peggy she doesn't know anything about Peggy no she doesn't know anything from Peggy's point of but view but she well exactly that's the subjective thing though she doesn't but you know that's what's in I think that's what's interesting though because is she is trying to understand she is trying to see from Peggy's point, from view, Peggy's point of view yeah. why yeah. she'd drive you know however many miles in the middle of the night yeah. pay for the bail and then put up with her in an apartment and be like, do you want to play cards? And like, do you know what I mean? And it's interesting how they show it to us in the show as well, because they don't reveal that until later. Yes. It's, it's all and it kind of, it's really confusing because if you don't think about it, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's all out of sync. So, yeah, because they don't, obviously don't tell us the information until right at the end. So it should all make sense. What makes that even more interesting, we should go back to, what we were talking about but well, actually let's just go back to what I was talking oh, about wait, wait, wait. I'm not done okay go on but you know I feel, I feel like you bring it you can bring in a third a third woman into that which is Betty Betty yeah and how they've all reacted to it's, it's almost like it's, it's about and I think from your sort of like it's about subjective it's about how they all react to Don yeah. so you know Betty are you saying this uh, episode would fail the Bechtel test the what the vector <laughs> test is a test that they put on movies to make sure they're, they're feminist and no no I, th- I mean I think it's all I think but that's what's interesting is all of those characters are female mm. but how they react is different to a man to the same man <laughs> yeah exactly um, now obviously there are a few differences in that one of them doesn't have a sexual relationship with him one of them oh, you know <laughs> Betty that's <laughs> <laughs> oh burn um but you know i think i think you see like at the end where she doesn't let him have his soul i've like, got so you know much I mean? to say about that <laughs> well yeah i think there is a lot to say about that but it is kind of like that i think that's what's really interesting here is is you've got one man and it's every woman treats him differently like yeah. every single that's one good point, actually, yeah. and do. it's kind of like it's it is a really interesting and i think you know 
we don't obviously betty doesn't really have any interactions with any of these other women but you know it's 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 kind of strange how when you i don't know like in real life it's so weird when you you see like some girls who are like oh that guy's so hot and other girls are like no he's not <laughs> yeah and it's sort of there's a i think this is a big thing with feminism is i think there's still a big debate to be had and or is an ongoing debate anyway about what feminism actually is yeah and and it actually you know because i think until it's revealed really what what well we assume by the end of it that the reason that peggy's done what she's done is because of the baby but it might not be it might mm-hmm. be because she just wants to get on don's good side it might be a number of different things we're just making that assumption because of what how the story goes yeah and how it's been written we've been told but, to think that well exactly that's the thing but it might be that she's, you know, Peggy's just bootlicking him a bit or, you know, she doesn't want to get fired or she doesn't want to... I mean, she obviously has a bit of fear of Don because she sort of says, you know, I just don't want you to be uh, mean about oh, mad, this. Oh, mad at me, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you remember it or whatever. I think that, I think when she says that, okay, so this, my subtextual thing on that has got more to do with the mirror phase um, where, you know, he was talking about how two people... Um, if they don't have the name of the father, sorry about the jargon. Um, if they don't have this this bonding thing that's kind of bigger than them, they can sort of they they jump between loving each other and hating each other, which I guess is what the implication that you've got with Don and Bobby. But um, I think that's the whole point of what um, uh, Peggy says to him is like, I don't want you to hate me, and I and and that's kind of where their relationship is, where it's, it, it's not spilling over into that. Maybe that's the difference between them, that between her and Bobby, between maybe that's the difference between her and Don and Bobby and Don is that because the boundaries have been almost destroyed between Bobby and and Don, there is that kind of there's a the potential for that kind of. Um, on and off relationship where one minute they hate each other and one minute they like each other codependency and um, but, but because um peggy has this kind of um boundary she, she, she's good at setting boundaries and there is like a sort of distance between them um don and peggy can work better together mm, i i mean i think that that to put it simply yeah um bobby sees herself as the equal to don and i think peggy doesn't I think Peggy's got respect for Don and Bobby doesn't. I think it's very, like, it's one of those things where Peggy is, is almost taking on a more traditional role here and that he's the boss, he should have respect, I have to do what he says, blah, blah. Whereas Bobby isn't like that. She just does whatever the fuck she wants. Mm. Yeah, and then and then Don is always kind of trying to be her equal. Yeah, and, but that's, that's... that's the competition thing with... with yeah. Peggy, and that's what that moment at the end is all about when she's like calls him Don rather than Mr. Draper. Yeah, yeah. is that suddenly she's like, I want to be. It's not because she's advised, you know, don't try and be a man or whatever. Yeah, be yeah. a woman. It's interesting that you say that because I think I, th- I agree. I think that um, Don and I think beca- because because um, Bobby sees herself as Don's equal, um, there is a potential there for fight for you know unrest. Yes. I think the reason that unrest is there isn't because she sees herself as his equal. It's because they're shagging each other. And you know I was saying before about how relationships 
there's no such thing as a sexual relationship. Mm. I think that's kind of what that is. So it's kind of, it's not a relationship. It's just these, these two fucking, these two people fucking each other. And because of that, there's never that kind of, that real kind of respect that two people would have for each other. Yeah, I mean, he grabbed her by the pussy like a few episodes ago. <laughs> and, like, um, there's just no respect there. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and yeah, and, and because Peggy does get that respect without sleeping with him, it's kind of, yeah, it's a much more... A slim, streamlined relationship, but it only. But the thing is, until the point at the end, hmm. he there is respect, but it's it's more than just it's it's he has he's got a it's form con- of control. Control, yeah, okay. Whereas he can't control Bobby, yeah, but he can control Peggy, and then it gets to the point where she's like starting to push on that boundary. Not that she's like going out of control or whatever. Would you say that she's gone from being? an object to more of a subject sure <laughs> said that my, vo- my voice just like broke as I said that like I couldn't quite ad- I didn't quite want to admit it I went sure um, the one thing I want to say about we, 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 do, we still we're still technically still speaking about the time they meet up in the restaurant oh jeez and I wanted to well, say how, many, how long has it been now just, don't worry we'll sort of I think we can oh leave the, the Don and the, the Don and Bobby's uh, storyline for uh, the Peggy storyline for a bit, but I wanted to say that one of the cool things, one of the funny things I liked about this episode is obviously there's a lot of um, there's a lot of callbacks to the pilot. Okay. And they talk, and one of the bits of conversation that they have that um, Don and Bobby have is about the pilot that um, Bobby's written, that Bobby's kind of made for this new TV show. That they, well, Grim and Barrett. Yeah, Grim and Barrett. Yeah, so. Uh, but they, I like the fact that there's a meta thing about them talking about the pilot while they're sort of like referencing their own pilot. Okay, that's, that's for all the geeks out there. <laughs> if you're not a geek and you're listening to this, I'm really, really impressed. I gotta be honest. Um, right, so should we should we carry on with the, the Don and the Don and Bobby thing, or should we move on because we've talked about that a lot? Well, I think we have to wrap it up, don't we? We can't just like leave it there. <laughs> okay, let's, so they let's, get into a car accident. They get into a car they accident. Get, they get oh, wait, really shit Wait, 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 wait. Let's talk about the let's let, let's talk about the car ride because that's really interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's not really interesting. It's fascinating. It's. I mean, I don't know. I thought it was a little bit cringy. Why did you think it was cringy? The whole thing of like, I feel so alive, or whatever she says to me, it's like, I feel nothing. It's like, oh, come on. Come on, Robin. I just want to say, I thought it was amazing. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm like, cringe, Disney, hello. I know, because I didn't think it was... Because like, to me, there was a whole point to all of that stuff, right? There is, but it was ha- it was rammed down your throat. <laughs> what, okay, if it was rammed down your throat, what was the point? That John Draper has no soul? No, I don't think that was the point. I think the, I actually think the point was... So there's, a, there's an ongoing theme in this episode of um, people talking about... Um, being company while at the same time talking about sleeping so peggy does it peggy does it twice in one scene where she talks actually there's three times with with peggy and um uh, bobby i keep forgetting her name with peggy and bobby where the that those two things come up so there's hang on let me see if i can find it so there's three um points in this where um peggy brings up this idea of company and lying down or sleeping so the first time is when she says she says she says to Bobby she wants to lie down and Bobby says I've got this magazine to keep me company. Yeah. 
Then there's another bit where she talks about this boy that fell asleep and Bobby says, it's good to have company. Yeah. And then there's another fight right at the end where um, they're drinking coffee, obviously, to keep you awake. And Bobby says, um, so Bobby says something about a kick in the head. And Peggy said, it's nice to have company. So it's like a, a flip over, right? And I was trying to work. And there's also a bit where Betty says she couldn't sleep alone. Where she was like, she's trying to sleep, right. but she was awake because she's waiting for Don. And so this whole idea of company, right? So you've got um, Don and um, um, uh, Bobby in the car. And at that point, Bobby's all like, yeah, I'm so alive. And I'm so blah, 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 blah. And then Don's like, I don't feel anything. And then the two, and then she sort of like leans over to him. And and then it's like, it's like the one person basically, right? Mm. And then Don falls asleep and that's when they crash. So it's like the whole point is through those those three things that Peggy and, and Bobby were talking about. It's all about company. It's all about, you know, having another person there with you. But if Don and Bobby are like the same person, they don't have any company. So when he falls asleep, that's when you get the crash. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, he just got really shit Oh, he just got really shit. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Um, so I, I thought I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really smart the way they did that. You obviously don't agree, or you're just really tired and just want to give up. Right now. No, no, I just like I, I don't know. I, like of all, I just I don't know. You didn't like it. It just. Do you know what? Do you know what the, my first thought was when they crashed the car? I'm like fucking out. Like how many times does Don Draper almost die? I mean, literally. <laughs> Seriously, like I mean, it's like he's like almost gets blown up, like gets in a car crash, like. Yeah, there's going to be a bit more of that. Anyway, um, one thing I did like about the way they did crash was when when the cars crashed, and it's. You know, you see the car on the, the side. On the side. Yeah. yeah. And it looks into the the mirror, the window of the two. Um, they're both on the same side. Yeah. And this kind of, to me, kind of, it's like when they're talking earlier about negotiation and um, Bobby's all about, like, you know, I like negotiating. It's about living and it's about doing all this stuff. And, and Don's like, I don't like negotiating at all. Um, it's like when that car ends up on its side, he's kind of on her side. And because that one person she gets a black right uh, a black eye on the right yeah. and his left arm i didn't even notice that that's is the one there you go so one person right because it's like <laughs> yeah, the, the injuries aren't even on the same side that's... which would make logical sense <laughs> <laughs> uh yes amazing uh and then we get the so and the reason the reason i brought up that thing about negotiation is because when don is in the police station by himself he has to negotiate for his freedom and all of a sudden he likes negotiating. Well, he actually, it's not even that he likes negotiating. He's not very good at it because he doesn't really negotiate. He just says, yeah, I'll pay whatever. Just let me go. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was really... But that's a, that to me, again, that's a power thing, isn't it? It's like, yeah. for the first time in the episode, we see someone that has more power than him. Oh, okay. I didn't think about it like that. And he has no choice but to do, to ask for help. I think that's the thing there, isn't it? It's but like... he doesn't ask for help. He basically just says, I can do this myself. And he does ask for help because he has to ring Peggy. Oh yeah, eventually he asks for help, but when he sort yeah, of he doesn't like, want to. He doesn't. He... But that's the thing is, but he goes into that negotiation. He's like, "Look, this is all the money I have. Fucking let me go." <laughs> exactly. That's and then the saying. bloke's like, "No." <laughs> yes, and then he's like, "Oh, now I've got to ask for help." <laughs> yeah. But but that's the thing that he doesn't want to do. That's why he doesn't like to negotiate. Yeah. 
Because he doesn't want to ever have to be in a position where he needs... Yeah, to ask for help. To ask for help. Or even that he doesn't really know what you want, so it's really hard to negotiate if you yeah. don't know what you want. It's yeah. really interesting that he says he likes the ocean, though. We'll come to that later. Um, yeah. Should we go on with um, Don and uh, Are You Bored of It Now? Well, like I say, we need to get through it, really, don't we? I mean, <laughs> right. So, Peggy, car drive. Oh, yeah. We've talked a little bit about the don't be mad at me. Yeah, we've talked a bit about that. Um, what we haven't talked about is <laughs> there's a good, there's a really cool bit where Peggy talks about being sick, like about her brother being sick. Oh, no, she no. talks about so not Bobby brother, her, being sick in her brother's car. So yeah, because like. she doesn't want to have to clean it up, which I think is a very logical thing to say. A very logical in that situation, and it also calls back to, and this is why I mentioned the mirror phase. It also calls back to red in the face. When can we? Oh. <laughs> I hate that episode. I love that episode. That's like no, I, I literally episode. only hate that episode because of my. Of I have yeah, I have a phobia of people being sick, and it was like pretty graphic as well and it was like <laughs> but like um i feel like every time someone mentions being sick to me it always reminds me of that because how could you not be reminded of that like i see it in my dreams but that's the whole point of that that scene is like i was trying to work it out and you're it's, you're right when you said that like you know you've got don and peggy and don and bobby and it's like those two different dialectics and the two different um relationships that they have i think at one point um, Peggy's trying to speak Peggy keeps trying to speak to Bobby and Bobby keeps and she like doesn't respond so then she has to tell Don yeah, yeah, to yeah. tell her Don, Don's like Bobby so it's like, stay awake it's, it's like he's having the relationship with the two of them yeah and um, <laughs> I just love the fact that um, you know Peggy's got like the white gloves on and she looks like you know she's really made up and everything <laughs> and Bobby's at the back of the car and it's like she can't even stay awake well yeah I mean but that's else. again that's but that just shows again his lack of care for her I mean she's like fucking almost passing out in the back of the car and he couldn't give less of a shit <laughs> he's just like whatever um okay let's do let's let's finish this off I just want to say one more thing about that is um you know talking about the whole subjective thing and the fact that you have um Bob um Don and Peggy they have they're basically having a quite a grown up sort of argument about which is the f- quickest way to go and obviously it's a very subjective thing which is the quickest way to go and I just like the fact that Peggy's right well it's again it's that power thing isn't it of him going I want to do this and she's going no this is a better way and he's <laughs> yeah. like no and he just stares at her yeah he just like gets really cross <laughs> I mean, classic he doesn't say anything it's great um, but he, he basically palms Bobby off on yeah on her on her Peggy. basically and, and Peggy just takes it and it's like I'll go and get you your dry cleaning and I'll do this for you and I'll do that for you and so we should, we should we should definitely pay a bit of attention to that relationship and how it kind of grows between them two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when they first start, when they first go into the, um, hang on, let me see if I can find it. Um, yeah, when they first go in, um, Bobby. Yeah. So the first time we see them two, and we kind of miss, we're kind of jumping over the the Betty and Don bit, but we'll get back to that later. But when they first go in. Um, when we first see the scene with Bobby and um, uh, Peggy in Peggy's flat, Peggy's lying to her boyfriend, her husband. Is it husband? It's husband, isn't it? Bobby. <laughs> I 
we've doing this for a long time. <laughs> Bobby's lying to her boy, uh, her, her husband, uh, and she kind of says like, "You and I both know the truth, right?" Yeah. And she says, and that's where they have that that chat about Marilyn Monroe. And how Marilyn Monroe has no problems because mm. everybody at that time thought Marilyn Monroe was fine, and nobody like, but nobody knew things from her point of view. And uh, yeah, and that's just me proving how clever I was to come up with this. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> and like, I guess the kind of the the relationship kind of grows. I'm kind of rushing through it now because we're so far into the show. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that whole, you know, I'm going to summarize it. Go on, go on. I mean, I think it's really interesting the observations that Bobby makes because she clearly at first sees Peggy as being a secretary figure, mm. as in the the type of person that arranges all Don's sort of life for him, sorts him out, makes sure she's okay and he knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, but doesn't really expect anything in return. Yeah. Um, because that's the first thing she asked. Are you are you a secretary? No, I'm not. But she doesn't say what she is. Yeah. I think that's quite telling of Peggy as well. Um. And then she goes in for, are you in love with him? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think... So this is over, like, all the different yeah, scenes yeah. together, yeah. Well, she's trying to figure it out, isn't she? She's sort of a bit like... Like I say, I think it's one of those where she's a bit like, why? Well, what's interesting about that part is when... Is Peggy, like I said before, like, Peggy has, like... she's has these fixed boundaries. And I think that's what Bobby kind of... Because, like, there's, like, there's points where Bobby, earlier on in the show, is trying to... It basically gets Don to do things by just telling him what she wants him to do. Like you know like tell tell me what my favorite food is or tell me what my favorite drink is mm. and she kind of tries the same trick on peggy as well where she says um, don't you want to ask me if i'm in love with him yeah and peggy says no it's none of my business and that's kind of like drawing a great a, a full kind of like line between the two of them um there's also a really cool line that she says where she says um i never expect that she's talking about don and she says, "I never expect him to be any other way than he is." I think that's like in the if the if the show had a, its own thesis, I think that's the healthiest way to look at things. Yeah, is to kind of like take things as they are and stop trying to sort of like <laughs> saying this, stop trying to put your own meaning into them. Yeah. <laughs> um, <just> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just take things as they are right um and um yeah i think that's kind of i think we've said a lot about this so i, I don't want to spend too much time on it, even even though it's obviously the most important storyline in the show but we have talked about it a lot mm. right? yeah agreed but um just to finish it off i think the final scene between them two is really cool and, the, and some of the things that they say so we talked about like what i thought about the eye and like how you know it's kind of purple and 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 the, uh, blue and all that kind of stuff uh, but when um bobby gives peggy that advice she kind of makes sure that she looks her in the eye mm. she kind of like really fixes her gaze on her eye and i think that's really fascinating because again it's like more more of the gay stuff but um <laughs> i'm just gonna mention this very quickly there's a bit with where she mentions something about bees being a busy bee mm. and that's and i think that's another reference to a lacanian thing where Lacan talks about how bees communicate with each other and bees communicate with each other almost like the same way humans do like so let's say we communicate not necessarily by words specifically but we communicate with each other by gestures and by all these like different ways of sort of like 
getting points across, right? But they these these points are actually filled with meaning. So they're all they all mean different things. But bees, they also communicate with gestures and stuff. Mm. The gestures don't have any meaning whatsoever. So that's kind of like the difference, and it kind of like nails the point when as they're talking. Um, I think um, Peggy kind of mentions that she doesn't know, she's not very clear on what um, Bobby's saying, which I just thought was really interesting. But you don't really go. Anyway. I have a really short attention span. And it's sort of like we, when we hit the hour mark. I can totally tell. My, my, I sort of like, my mind wanders. That, when you were saying all that, all I, could, all I was thinking in my mind was I was like imagining like bees like touching each other. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, but does it mean anything? That's what that was. That was what that look was. You guys couldn't see it, but I was, I was, my mind drifted for a minute there. Okay. Don't worry, we're gonna finish this soon. Um, Let's uh, do but, Trudy and. But no, one, one more thing, one more thing. I just want, just want to finish this. I want to put a button on this because, like, right at the end of that scene, the final scene between the two of them, um, Peggy says to um, uh, Bobby says to Peggy. Um, do I need to get a, how do I get out of this place? Do I use a steamship? And then Peggy says, I'll take you to the train station. And then Bobby says, it's okay, I'll get a car. And it kind of, to me, is like the ultimate, to me, that's like the ultimate respect, right? Because the whole thing we've seen, the the, the whole way that um, Bobby and Don started going out or sort of ended up sleeping together was because um, Don offered to take her to the car. And she said, Actually, she didn't even say yes. She's no. kind of like, but she, she kind of like, I don't know if she did anything, but it ended up happening anyway. And they, he ended up taking her to the car and then, you know, whatever happened, happened. Uh, and this is kind of like the ultimate respect where she's like, no, I don't need you. I don't need you to do that for me. I can do that for myself. And I kind of, that's kind of cool. Well, I don't know. I also thought it was a bit like, no, I'm not. I'm better than you walking to the train station. I'm going to take a car because I'm a fancy bitch. That's how I interpreted that. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm not even going to fight you for it. Um, shall we do Peggy and Pete? Yeah. Trudy and Pete. Sorry. God damn it. Jesus. Why do they all have to have Y's at the end of their names? Anyway. I know. I, do you know what? I did think that earlier when we were like Bobby, Peggy, Betty, I, I think it's Trudy. totally. I think it's totally deliberate. I think of course you, I think you do. Of course I you think do. You're supposed to mix them all up because they're essentially all the same person. Um, right. That's like, just like all women, right? <laughs> exactly. No, I'm, ah! joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, right. So this is like if like I'm gonna do the. Have you seen the um the Captain America meme where he says if um. If you, <laughs> I'm giving everyone their last chance to get out now, you know when they're in the lift. No. Do you know what? I hate Captain America. Okay, fair enough. So, I'm, so no, I've not. For seen anyone that. who's listening who likes Captain America, this is your last chance. If you want to get off, you he's can the be. most boring superhero. Just so you all know, it's the best Marvel film. Anyway, <laughs> Winter Soldier, best Marvel film. Anyway, oh my god. So we're gonna talk about Pete and Trudy. So there's a there's a there's a picture right. There's this classical drawing that Lacan um, refers to a lot, and it's called the Ambassadors. Right. Have you heard of the Ambassadors? What's it? Can I Google it? You can Google Am it. Am I you allowed? Are. You are allowed to Google it. Yes. Uh, so the Ambassadors is a draw. I can't remember who the artists were now, but any it, it's, essentially it's a drawing of these 
Two, oh no, I don't know that one. It's a drawing of these two noble men. By Hans Holbein the Younger. That's the guy. Um, oh, is this the Henry VIII part? This is the, okay. <laughs> we're going to get to Henry VIII at some point. Yeah, so um, this is a picture of two guys. One of them is a head of state. One of them is like the head of the clergy or something, right? And it's a really interesting picture because these two people are kind of like standing in front of all these kind of material goods that they kind of that don't really have anything to do with them. They're just kind of standing in front of it, right? And it's an interesting picture because near the bottom of the picture, there's this smudge. And the smudge, it's, it's kind of hard to notice at first. But if you turn... The, where, where is it? It's at the bottom of it. It's like near their feet you might have like a cut down version of the picture. It's there. Anyway, if you turn the, if you, it looks like a smudge to begin with, but if you turn the picture to one side and look at the picture, you'll see like a skull staring back at you. No way. <laughs> yes. I'm like so into this now. Oh, my phone puts it the right way around, so I can't, hang on. So if you, you just look at it on its side, you, you'll see like a, a skull staring back at you. And this is that whole thing that I was talking about of the, object and the subject where you can be looking at something and that thing can be looking right back at you but you don't know oh my god oh i that thing yes it's not a smudge there's like it's that thing yeah, yeah. i was looking for like a smudge on the floor <laughs> no there's a big like white line that you're like what is that yeah and it turns out to be a skull and it's a skull oh interesting and it's staring back at you and cool. the whole idea of this picture is that um, all these material things behind these guys don't really have any effect on them. They don't join them together. But the only thing we all have in common is death. We're all going to die, right? So that's the thing that joins these two people together. Right? I'm so obsessed with this picture now. <laughs> and I think, I think, to be fair, I think the whole episode is based around or kind of incorporates this picture. But I think this this scene kind of really hammered it home for me for some reason. I don't even I couldn't even tell you specifically why. It's just kind of it's just there in the sort of like in the air, almost like that skull. And the thing about this scene, I think one of the things about this episode is all of these characters that we're talking about, all these all these dualistic characters that are kind of like you know fighting each other or against each other or whatever. They all have one thing that's kind of bonding them together. So you have, you know, the obvious one being Peggy and Don. They have the fact that they know each other's secrets. <laughs> Helen's not listening to she's staring at this picture. <laughs> they, they have this thing where they, they know each other's secrets. So that's, that's the kind of, that's the thing that they have in common. That's the thing that bonds them together. And you've got like, uh, Trudy and Pete have this kind of like, this idea that they can't have a child and, you know, they know that's they they know their their own streak secret struggle that they can't have this child right and it's all there's there's other ones as well you can go for each character i'm not going to do it now because we're running out of time but um i feel like this this whole scene is kind of based around that considering what i was saying about the picture staring back at you right Mm. the first shot we get is of pete standing in the literally the very first shot is like pete standing staring at a picture of a woman and uh, the picture staring back at him, and of a statue of a woman staring oh. back at him. Um, so yeah, so yeah, he, and it, it it does look like he's been dragged there by himself because at, at points he's just like fiddling around and just kind of like you know fidgeting and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, yeah. it's, those sorts of places are always uncomfortable. But what's funny is Pete actually seems really comfortable with the doctor. Like, oh, yeah, He's yeah, supposed yeah, 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 to be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does make a couple of uncomfortable jokes. But I think once he starts talking, he kind of feels... Because he feel, cause the you know the doctor's asking him questions like, do you actually want to have a kid? Yeah. yeah. And he never says... So I... Yeah, so, you know... Yeah, so he... What's really interesting about that for me is, um, yeah, obviously it becomes like a, a therapy session, but I really like the fact that at one point the doctor asks him, um, "Have you ever, have you ever, do you work around X-rays, radioactive material, or toxic <sighs> waste?" Did you get that? Do you know what I mean? No. It's kind of so for me. This whole this scene is like you know, Pete being very sure of himself. Because obviously this is, again, we talk about the whole subjective thing. This is Pete talking about himself. Mm. And he's kind of, he's very, very confident in his own idea of himself. So he's very, almost like a superhero kind of thing. Very, very strong, very sort of aware of himself. Uh, And x-rays, radioactive material and toxic waste are all like how superheroes are created. Okay. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> it's also a perfectly reasonable question for Batman. It is. It, it totally it is right, and I'll we'll get to that in a second. But like, so yeah, so <laughs> I just thought that was really cool. Um, well done, Robin. And, and, You've uh, got a fan. <laughs> and um, I like that. There's a um, uh, what's it? This um, there's this. Yeah. So there's a, there's also this thing where he talks about how. Um, he's worried. So he's talking about all these anxieties that he have, all these worries, all these problems that he has. And these are all these worries. I don't know, you might sort of fight me on this one, but like all these worries to me, it seems like they're all anxieties with almost holding on to Trudy. Like sort of even talks about how he's just landed a new sort of account, but that account comes from his dad or his dad-in-law. Like all these things that he's kind of like worried about are all because he's trying to control in some sort of sense, so to control Judy's kind of idea of him. Uh, well, no, absolutely, no, I actually do agree with that because, and I think that becomes very telling later on is that she doesn't seem like the nicest person to be married to. <laughs> oh come on, just Trudy well, yeah, was talking she's about. She's clearly got a bit of a you know because I mean we've seen her demanding the big apartment, we've seen her you know, wanting him to get promotions at work and all that kind of stuff. She's she's, no, no, she's not. She seems like the kind of woman who would want she's a man to change. Well, I know. And also, <laughs> R.I.P. Um, uh, what's that wrestling show called? Oh, yeah, Glow. Yeah. Glow. Very oh, sad, and they're not doing a fourth season. I was like, really would have liked that. Four fun. or five, I can't remember what it is now, but... Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we love Alison Brie, but as a as a wife, Trudy seems to be a quite demanding, and I think a lot of Pete's issues, because I mean, the fact I th- I think a lot of his self esteem issues come from her. Mm, okay, that's and I think point. you see that very much at the end when he knows, like he's actually <laughs> like, oh great, I'm fine. Yes, that's insensitive, yeah, totally, but totally. at the same time, he almost works out straight away that she's more. She's also pissed off that it's not his problem and it's hers um i just like the way that he ends that's that scene by saying whenever she's free it's kind of like that's what you're saying it's kind of like everything he's saying is basically almost from the subjective viewpoint of the woman where he's kind of like he's doing everything for yeah for um for 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 trudy 
Um, and that kind of leads us on. So we jumping really far ahead to the scene where Pete arrives back home. Oh, before we go there, can I oh. just say, mm-hmm. when he goes in to do his jacking off, funny yeah. that he picks the Jailbirds magazine. Really? Submissive woman in jail. <laughs> I didn't even get that, actually. That's he a likes, very good point. He likes the, I mean, he could have chosen any of them. That's a very good point, actually. But he chose the one which is about women who are incarcerated. I was fixated on the fact that there's a Pearl Harbor magazine. Yeah, I know. That's really weird, isn't it? <laughs> so do you, want, do you want my theory on that? Go on, then. So, so the, time, the other time Pearl Harbor came up was when Don was firing that guy from... Uh, Mohawk. Okay. And the scene we get before he picks up the magazine is of Peggy in the hospital giving birth. Mm. But he doesn't know anything about it. It's almost like he's been fired or let go of being the father without knowing. So that's why I think that magazine's there. Well, in magazine, there's a few magazines in this episode, there's a, isn't there? there, there there is a few magazines. Also, you know the the you know I was talking about how a lot of this episode and, and Peggy's sort of on her own. She's kind of in her own house. Mm. The magazine that um, that Bobby reads is called Confidential. Oh. Mm. Um, so right, let's go. Last scene. Last, <laughs> last, scene. Scene, last scene. So so when Pete arrives at home, um, so they kind of so this is where this is where the the whole picture with the whole picture thing came up for me. Um, and there's lots of stuff happens. You, is there anything you want to say about this? Because I'm gonna jump straight to why. There's, the only thing I really want to say is this is when Pete says he's he's hey, his sperm's able to leap tall buildings at a single bound, right. which yeah. goes back to that superhero thing. Oh is, there, is there anything you want to say in this scene? Um, general overview. I mean, the thing is, we know we know Pete's immature. Yep. Um. We know he's a little bit self-indulgent. Yeah. And yes, he doesn't handle the situation well in that he celebrates the fact that he is not the problem rather than recognising what that actually means. He only sees it from his point of view. He only sees it from his point of view. However, these are not surprising things about Pete. I mean, I'm sorry, but she must have known what she was marrying. That's true. We know he's uh, immature from previous episodes. She knows what his character's like. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you do, you do, like I say, I think from this episode, you see, like, she was expecting it to be his problem. Yes, very much so. Yeah, totally. And the fact that it isn't has almost pissed her off. Because now she's understanding. Because the thing is, the whole way through, she's been nagging him to be better at his job or better at this. And suddenly she's, she can't do her job or her job in inverted quotes well that's the thing properly. so why I, I like one thing we're going back to that other scene for just a second when when um they, so she kind of talks about having a what's it called that contraception that she has oh a diaphragm she talks about having a diaphragm and then they look over at Pete as if it's like uh, it's, you know, <laughs> something's not kind of going right, and it's not me, generally. Mm. Like, and also, I want to talk about a diaphragm very quickly, and talk about a diaphragm in terms. No, of, sh- oh my god, this about, is going to be good. Talk about a diaphragm in terms of gaze, right? Ah. So, right, diaphragm. <laughs> you know how a diaphragm works, right? Well, um, sort of. I mean, I don't. I've never had one personally. So I. 
I'm guessing I could be totally. You're going to tell me I'm totally wrong. Here, yeah. Right, but as far as I understand, the diaphragm is kind of like a shield. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Right, okay, okay. Like so, contraception. So the way gaze works, right? Or the way Lacan explains gaze is like so. I'm looking at so the best way to describe it is like looking. Imagine looking at a film. Like so, you're sitting in a you're sitting in a cinema and you're looking at a film and you've got the screen, right? Hmm. And then the screen is being projected on by let's say the. Just for I know this isn't how it works, but let's say the projector is behind the film and it's sort of shining the the, the image onto the film. Right? Yeah. So you've got two different sides. You've got the person on one side. Right. You've got the <laughs> you've got the you got the film in the middle. Right? Okay. And you've got the projector on the other side. Do you see where I'm going with this? Uh, yes. And without getting too graphic, like that's kind of how a diaphragm works, right? You've got the, um, uh, the, sperm. the sperm on the one side. The you've egg. Got, you've got the egg on the other side. And in the middle, you've got the the uh, the diaphragm. Yeah, so contraception. Just the contraception, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's kind of... And that's... Uh, there's a bunch of like references to films in this as well. I didn't talk about them. But um, that's kind of what that... that's. I think that's what that's getting at. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? That's what ga- so that's what gaze is. So that's okay, I'm not explaining it properly. So when so the idea is when you're as a subject, as a as a subject, the way you see the world yeah. is you are the projector or you are the the egg or you are the human being and you're seeing the world through that. But at the same time, the world is looking back at you. The world is like I don't know the sperm or the world, yeah, 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 and and in the middle, yeah, is like this sort of um, like, objective, subjective kind of thing, and what you're it's like seeing, a filter, isn't it? Is a, well, not really. I'd say more of a film. So, like, what you're seeing is all you're not actually seeing the person behind. You're seeing the film. You're seeing the projection, mm. and they're seeing. So, the thing that I'm putting out to the world in my mind, looks a certain way. Yeah, yeah. But to the world is a totally different way. Yeah. Obviously, that's kind of like a not, a, not a new concept, but that's kind of what a lot of this episode is about, I think. It's like this idea of like... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, of how that um, that gaze kind of works, that kind of subjective gaze kind okay. of works. That's uh, diaphragms, folks. That's diaphragms. That's how diaphragms works, everyone. Um, and yeah, and then it just comes up a lot with like films and stuff and... I really want to talk about the films, but I can't. There's, too, there's not enough time. Um, did you finish everything you wanted to say about that scene, or did you want to say more? Because I mean, I, I no, I don't want to say anything else. Right. So there's one thing that I really have to talk about in this. So at one point, um, thinking of keeping in your mind this idea of eyes, and we're going to finish this soon. Don't worry. Thinking of this idea of like eyes and how like um, eyes kind of they look back at you, objects look back at you and you sort of look at them, right? And this idea of films and this idea of um, gaze, right? Mm. So um, Trudy mentions Cape Fear. Yeah. Cape Fear, I don't know if you've ever seen the film. There's like, there's two versions. There's a very early film um, starring Roger Gregory Peck and a bunch of other people. And then there's a remake made by Martin Scorsese, right? And this film is very male gazy. You're gonna to have to get out of your seat in a second. And this film is very male gazy, right? Why? Why am I gonna? Well, I'm gonna. I want to show you something. Oh, okay. Um, 
And so she mentions this. She mentions this film, and like keeping in mind that whole idea of like gays and all this kind of. So I was looking up um, posters of these films, and I looked at the the original poster, and there's not much there in that one. But then I looked up the the remake of the poster. Am I coming around there? Um, hang on, let me get it up first. That's what she said. So I've been. So I was looking at this. Uh, so looking for this picture. Uh, sort of like a, a poster of this film and I found a poster and this is what it looks like keep in mind all those things I told you before am I coming round now? Yeah. Helen's coming round to look coming at this coming round I just want to get her uh, reaction oh <laughs> it's a big pair of eyes staring right back at you okay that's amazing don't you think that's the effort that they put into this show <laughs> Well, I was really impressed. That's amazing. Helen's not impressed. No, I'm not. I just, it's just like, here's my issue, right? Yeah, <laughs> go on. <laughs> like, fine, right? You write, you write that stuff. Maybe you have all this in, in mind. Yeah. But how many people ever actually get that? Well, there's one here. <laughs> well, there's one. How many others are there? And it's just like, to me, that seems like an awful lot of effort for something that very few people will get. I think, do you know what I actually think? I think that's the whole show, right? That's, the more you kind of put into it, the more rewarding it is. That's that's why I love the show. <laughs> Obviously, not everybody thinks this. I think just, No, it's just like, it's just one of those things where it's like, I get it, like Easter eggs and shit, right? <laughs> but it just, it's just one of those things where, it, you know... You're not impressed. Like, like, but I mean, I'm just trying to imagine that meeting where Robin like goes in to see Matty, you know, old good old Matthew. She's like, look, this is the last page of the script, and he reads it. She's like, yeah, but what you don't know is this is the poster, and he's like, oh my god, can't believe that. That's amazing. Do you know what I mean? And then he's like, right, commissioned. I'd like to say, I I would have been like, that's amazing, you get a massive raise. Does she write any more episodes? I think, actually, do you know what? She wrote The Wheel um, with Matthew. Like, she, as far as I understand, she wrote this episode by herself, but she wrote The Wheel uh, with Matt, Matt Weiner. I don't know if she's written any more, but I could have a look. But um, Okay, yeah. well, you know, if it's, if it, I, I, I yeah. Okay. <laughs> right okay let's 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 like that's all i wanted to say about that so very quickly let's just do a couple more scenes so there's what one, there's just, <laughs> i only wanted to no, because the only reason i say is is because i want to do i want to do the actual new girl scenes because oh, okay. they're my favorite oh my god we haven't even spoken about the new we girl the oh new my god so i want to talk about the fact that she wears the when she's when she joins the when she, the first time we see her is very similar to when peggy joins the office and it's very you know, they're yeah. very similar scenes. Obviously, um, obviously, she's wearing light blue, and um, Joan's wearing dark blue. So it's kind of like the new girl, the new Joan. Yeah, yeah, the new Joan for sure. Um, there's a lot of stuff about um, just feeling stuff. So there's a lot of stuff about clairvoyance, clairvoyance and yeah. all that kind of stuff, and like you know. Um, and then, um, I want. I really want to talk about this scene where um, where. So there's this there's this amazing scene where it opens and we see this picture of this new girl just literally innocent as anything, minding her own business. 
and all not, the men. I'm not doing it. All the guys are kind of like staring at and looking, pretending to look for the filing cabinets. Yeah, pretending to look for um, uh, client files, right? Okay. Um, so this this scene, what's really cool about the scene is it starts off from a very male gazy kind of way, mm. and it's like you know you get you get Jane, and then you get Joan, whose names are very similar. Um, yeah, I did notice that. That was one I picked up on. And um, and they have they, they and you know these are these two sort of like women that kind of like men would be very attracted to. Uh, so it's very very male gazy, and then as the scene goes on, it becomes more. I don't know. You could tell. You could remark. You could correct me on this, but it, to me, it becomes very female gazy. What like? They're not checking out that guy that's playing the song on his. They're not checking them out at all. They're not checking. Then they're not checking out. Um, <laughs> they're not checking out Ken either, who does that amazing line where he goes, "My name's Ken Cosgrove." <laughs> Accounts. <laughs> I, love, I love how he does it, but like to me, that's kind of like, you know, um, Jane's sitting there on her own. She's not really doing anything. She's literally not doing anything. Mm. It's just this is me, right? And all the guys are obviously falling over themselves, staring at her. And Ken does the same thing, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's just me as I am. And she just doesn't give a shit. Because she, yeah. she's just like, you're a dude. Like, and I feel like, I don't know, would you say that was male gazy? Would you say, I guess, would you say that's female gazy? Where it's kind of like, these guys, are they're, they're just guys. And there's no, the actual gaze is, has no attraction to it. It's just, they're just dudes. And until they actually do something that's kind of attractive to you, it's just not. It's not a thing. It's not even a... It's not even... You know, you can appreciate someone for the fact they look good, but if it's not affecting you on any other level, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that... The end really of that... I think that end, the end of that scene kind of sums it, sums it up because she has no reaction to <laughs> any of the things that happen. <laughs> but I wouldn't say that that is the female gaze. No. Okay, okay, okay. I don't probably. think I would. Okay, um, because I, I think... Well, no, no. I mean, I think you could. I think that's just that's just a what the fuck's going on kind of gaze. Um, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. There I mean, was that, a... that scene is pretty funny. What's that? That scene is pretty it's funny amazing. though. Um, and well, the other thing I want to say is just that you know you've got um, you've got Joan giving uh, Jane advice in the end, and the only advice that um, obviously that Ken has, or the the only senior that Ken has to look up to is the guy playing Mozart on his zipper. There's loads of stuff I want to say about it. There's loads of stuff I want to say about Mozart as well, but I'm going to leave that out. Um, shall we just go on to the final scene then? Okay. <laughs> just a dead-eyed look. Very tired <laughs> Just now. a dead-eyed look. Okay. Take, it takes it out of me, this. You know, it's, it's just one of, of those. But that's what I mean, is it's like, you know... And it's like you do all your prep, whereas I'm like I'm doing my prep while I'm listening to <laughs> and, you. And it's good. And, but the, yeah, but it knackers me out. And we do this. I mean, it's what half ten? I'm thirty four. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I know you're older, but you're you know. <laughs> I'm very old. Yeah. You are anyway, older. Anyway, um, let's move it on. Um, the salt. So let's just talk about the salt scene because what did you think of that? Did you have any? And then we can finish. This is it. This is the final yes. scene we're going to talk about. Okay. What did you think of the salt scene? I thought it was great. Why did you think it was great? Because <laughs> I love that. Well, what Betty... What did it mean to you? Well, Don was, Don was feeling the shame. Okay. 
Yeah, I think he was ashamed because Betty was like, you can't have salt because mm. we love you. We yeah. want you to be around. Okay, okay. And he's not been around, like the whole episode. Yeah, he's not yeah. been around. Okay. Um, so yeah. in a way, it doesn't matter if he has salt or not. Right, And then, okay. yeah. Interesting. That's it. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so this is what I thought of this. So in, earlier on in the show, um, <laughs> Bobby asked Don what he likes. And Don says the sea. Ah! <laughs> and obviously they're going to they're going on this trip to the sea, and what's the sea full of? Obviously salt. It took me ages to work this out because <laughs> I was like, I don't understand salt. I don't get why why they're actually specifically saying salt. Right? It makes no sense. Well, it does because he's got high blood pressure. Yeah, I know. I know. In that, in that, <laughs> but it's like the fact that they end it on this like really sort of weird ambiguous kind of like thing about salt salt's never been a thing in the show it doesn't make any sense mm. right so why are they making such a big deal about salt in the previous episode sorry there is this idea of sweetness and how it how we sort of like focus on the sweetness to mm. kind of get to the to, to the real meal or whatever and that kind of I was, I was thinking that had something to do with that but that doesn't quite fit right unless you think that the way we get to sweetness, the, the reason we were attracted to sweetness is because the sweetness, and I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about in terms of dreams and fantasy. I'm not talking about in actuality. Attracting us to sweetness is a way of getting us to something that's good for us, like something that's maybe not sweet, but it's kind of like, for instance, if you want ice cream, it means you're hungry. That, that means you'll find food, right? So the thing with salt is, salt is nothing like, well, salt is not really like sweetness. It's kind of like it's something a bit bitter. It doesn't taste as nice. It's kind of, it's not, you know, it's, it doesn't, it's not as um, pleasant to eat. But we still like it on our things. And that to me is what Don's kind of lamenting when he sort of like looks off into the distance. It's kind of this idea that he can't do these things that he's pulled to do, that he's kind of driven to do. Like, you know, when... Like when um, the only reason he goes to visit Bobby is because she literally puts the phone down. There's nothing actually pulling him to it other than himself. There's nothing else. There's no, there's no reason for him to go there. She's not forcing him to do it. She's basically... And like it's his kind of... It's his... What we were talking about before, that idea of the thing that you feel you have to do or you, you feel like... Not necessarily what you want to do, but the thing you feel you should do. And that's what salt is. If, if you take... The sweetness or, or sugar or something that you um, you want to do. Mm. And salt is something that you should do or, or, or you feel like you should do. And that and then the idea that um, uh, Betty takes this away from him because she loves him. It's a good thing. Like it's, it's technically a good thing. But also it's kind of cutting him off. Like as the... As the as the, as the episode ends, it kind of the, the the camera pans out and everything. They all it looks like Don's being suffocated by by this whole sort of like frame of the door and like everything's getting smaller and he's being dragged closer towards his family. Which you know he loves his family, but at the same time he wants that freedom to go to the sea and he wants that freedom to to be around the salt and stuff. Do you get as you go okay, get that freedom to be around the salt? Yes, you know, kind of in a subtextual kind of way. Um, and also, there is the the whole the whole theme of the fact that he that you know Peggy now has 
control and she's kind of got a bit more control Betty. because Betty now has more control because he like you know in that mid scene which we, we didn't really talk about but there's no time um, in that middle scene where he basically at the end of the scene he basically says to her can you help me get dressed now as he's as he's kind of like just manipulated her into doing what he what he wants and mm. almost like objectified her and sort of like you know done that whole thing where he sort of looked at her told her the truth kind of and now the tables have turned and now she's kind of taking over a bit and she's kind of like stopping him from having his soul and she has control over him. And that's what I thought of that final scene. Sidebar? Yeah. I think January Jones has a cold in the sense <laughs> Do you really? She probably if, does. If you listen to how she talks, she's got a bit more of a... I don't know, she sounds like she's, she's a bit ill. I didn't notice that. But another sidebar. Um, what episode is this? think it's not the benefit is it the benefactor one of these episodes both roger and don had a cold there you go <laughs> there you go that's your tidbit so, for the so, day so maybe maybe um maybe january jones called that cold from them maybe anyway all right <laughs> we've done it how, how long i don't really want to look what is it no look now oh it's uh, it's only like an hour 45 only an hour and 45 <laughs> we've just I mean, that's double the length of the episode and then some. It is, but there are longer podcasts out there, believe me. Okay, well, all that's left to say is I'm going to bed <laughs> and Fola. Uh, Sofranos is even better. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.